So ever since I was a uh, young boy, I forget how old I was, I went to the Broadway play Annie and uh, fell in love with two things, fell in love with Annie uh, and fell in love with theater. Uh, just love theater, and I've loved theater ever since. Uh, I love the anticipation of sitting in the audience, looking at the, the big curtain, wondering what secret world lies behind that curtain. I love when the house lights dim, the spotlights come on the stage, and then that magical moment when the, the curtains open. There's a, an unspoken kind of agreement, almost a contract that exists in the theater. Uh, on behalf of the audience, we agree to kind of suspend dispel uh, our disbelief. We agree to enter into the, the story that's happening on the stage, and, and the house lights go down so that this world disappears, and this world be is, is highlighted. The contract on the part of the actors is to not acknowledge that there's an audience out there, that, that what is happening on stage is, is real, and so it, it creates this sense of, of realism. One of the other things I love about theater is that we, the audience, typically know more than the actors know. Like, we know right away who the villain is, and then we watch the, the scene unfold. A and we can see two characters on stage who are backing up, and we know what's going to happen. They're going to bump into each other, but they don't know it. For the next two Sundays, we're going to continue the story of Jesus' birth. Today, we're going to be jumping into Matthew chapter 2 with the, the Magi following the star, coming to, to see Jesus. What we're going to be doing is peeking behind the curtain uh, and, and watching this as if we were sitting in a theater. So join me as we pray. Father God, we thank you for revealing yourself to us through your word. We pray that as we enter into the story of what happened 2,000 years ago, your spirit and word would enter into our story today. Help us see, help us hear, and help us believe. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. For this is what the prophet has written. You, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too might come and worship him. 
After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So imagine the scene as if we are all watching it from the seats of a theater. When the curtains open, blending into the background, at the back of the stage, we see Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. You barely notice him. You have to look carefully to see Jesus on the stage. It's almost like he's an inconsequential figure. And yet, everything that is happening is because of him. You could say that this is the condition of our world today. Jesus is sometimes barely noticed. If we allow, he will blend into the background of our scene, become an inconsequential figure, and yet everything that happens, happens because of him. We read from the candle Friday night that he is the word who was with God, who was God, and that through him all things were made that have been made. The earth today spins on its axis because of him. The sun warms the earth because of him. The wind blows, the rain falls, eventually, I think, the snow's going to come because of him. Our lungs expand and contract. Our hearts beat. The neurons in our brain fire because of him. Nations rise and fall. Kings and kingdoms come and go because of him. But there he is, quietly in the background, at the back of the stage, noticed only by those who pay close attention. The other day I was watching the, the show, I think it might have been the, the Today Show, and they were talking about Bethlehem and how they have suffered uh, from a lack of tourism the last couple of years with the, the pandemic. And so they were lamenting that fact, but what I was lamenting was that the coverage they were showing in Bethlehem had all of these Santa Clauses and, and elves and, and all the trappings of Christmas that's become so popular here, but I wanted to think in my mind that at least in Bethlehem, that the story of Jesus hasn't been co-opted yet. And yet there it was, all of the, the Santa Clauses. Jesus, so easily forgotten, blending into the background of the stage. And so there they are at the back of the stage. It's hard to take notice, but the Magi, they have taken notice. These Persian astrologers, these pagan Gentiles, They've noticed a disturbance in the sky, the unusual appearance of a star that wasn't supposed to be there, which for them was a sign of the birth of a king. The Jews had been waiting for this sign for centuries, and so it's interesting that God chooses to reveal the sign first to these, these foreigners, these outsiders. 
truly what the shepherds were told, that this good news is for all people, is already being demonstrated by the, the news being revealed to these, these Persian astrologers. So looking at the stage, we see Jesus in the background. In the foreground are these magi. And they're following this star. And opposite the magi, we see King Herod. And what we, the audience, notice is that they're on a collision course. The astrologers are making their way over to King Herod. Clearly, they don't know who he is. They don't know about Herod's penchant for cruelty. They don't know about his madness and the extent of his tyranny. They don't know that he's killed two of his wives. He's killed three of his own sons. They don't know that he's given the order that on the day he dies, one member of every Jewish family was to be killed because he wanted to be sure that there was lamenting and grief in the land of Judah. They don't know of his insecurity and how he will go to any length to hold on to power. The Magi don't know, but all the people of Jerusalem know. And so that's why we read that they're disturbed as well. They know that when their powerful king, with his fragile ego, becomes frightened, that everybody's going to suffer. And so, quite naively, the Magi come into Judah with a question. Where is the one who's born king of the Jews? We've come to worship him. And sure enough, Herod learns about this, learns about these people who have come a distance who are asking, where is the one who's born king of the Jews? We would expect him to fly into a rage, but he steadies himself and actually puts on quite a convincing show. He calls them to him in a secret meeting, and he says to them, go, make a careful search for this child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too can go and worship him. The Magi agree, they depart, Herod, they follow the star, and sure enough, it leads them to the exact place where Jesus is born in Bethlehem, just as Micah had foretold in his prophecy. They give their gifts to Mary and Joseph. They bow down before baby Jesus and they worship him. But we, the audience, as we see this unfold, we can only think of one thing. We're thinking about King Herod. And it's kind of like we want to break the contract. And we want to shout out onto the stage, say, don't do it. Don't go back to King Herod. And yet we don't have to do that because God intervenes. God appears to them in a dream and warns them not to go back. And so they return to their country a different direction. That's the end of Act 1. The curtain closes, and it feels like this should be the end of the play. Everything is resolved. They came, they found the king, they worshipped him, they presented their gifts, God protected them from Herod, and they have now returned home. But unfortunately, there's an act two, which Matthew writes about in verse 13. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. 
So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, when he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, Out of Egypt I called my son. When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. After Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and the mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So he got up, took the child and his mother, and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Having been warned, warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what the prophet said he will be called a Nazarene. So imagine once again, for act two, we are sitting in a theater, and we're watching all of this unfold, but what's different this time is that there are two curtains. There's the curtain that opens, revealing the, the, the action in earth, but there's a second curtain that opens, revealing the action in heaven. Act two begins with the, that second curtain opening, and we are now looking into the very throne room of God. God is surrounded by his heavenly host of angels, and he's looking down, observing Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. He's looking down, and he observes King Herod. He hears King Herod give the awful order to kill all the boys two years old and younger. On the, the stage, we see King Herod against baby Jesus, and it looks like Jesus is doomed. Like his life is going to be snuffed out before it even begins. What chance do Mary, Joseph, and Jesus ha have against this, this tyrannical, maniacal king? And yet when curtain two opens, and we see that God is observing everything, what we recognize is that this is not King Herod versus this, this family of three, this man and woman with their, their baby. This is King Herod versus the God of heaven and earth. God sends an angel, dispatches an angel from his throne room, who comes and warns Joseph in a dream about Herod's intent, directing him to, to go to, to Egypt. The Christmas story, if you haven't noticed, is filled with the supernatural. We've got a miraculous star that just appears we have angels on every page that we look at. We have visions, we have dreams, we have the virgin birth. What the Christmas story confronts all of us with is this collision between two worlds. 
the Christmas story confronts us with curtain number two. When we look at the stage, it's so easy to believe everything that we see on the stage, and yet so difficult for us to believe what's going on behind curtain number two. The, the evil of King Herod, we know that. And today we see people on the earth stage today, and we see that and, and know that and, and sometimes fear that. We see the plight of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. We see the plight of people today, and it's so easy to get discouraged. But sometimes we forget what's going on behind curtain number two. So God sends an angel, warns Joseph to, to go to Egypt, sends another angel, tells him when it's time to return from Egypt after Herod dies. We have the collision of these two worlds, Jesus leaving heaven, coming to earth, the word, the Son of God becoming flesh. There is more going on in this world than what meets our eyes. Christmas asks us to believe that. Yes, kings and kingdoms rage. The Herods of the world today, they take their stand, they, they make their plots, but they come and they go. God is seated on his throne and he reigns forever. So back to the theater. At the theater, we have this unspoken contract to suspend our disbelief. During the play, we enter this imaginary world. But as soon as the play ends, the house lights come on and we leave the imaginary world. Karen and I, when we lived in Washington, D.C., were able to, to see uh, the Phantom of the Opera at the Kennedy Center. And it was amazing. We entered into this, this most magical world. But there was something that was so disturbing to me that, that at the end of the play, the house lights came on and we were seated very close to the front. And so we walked up and looked down into the orchestra pit. And there was the woman playing the, the organ, da, 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 and, you know, this, this music that had a spellbound the whole play. But as soon as she hit that last note, she closed the lid, grabbed her purse, got up and left. And like the spell for me was completely broken. The house lights come on, the curtains close. The danger for us is to treat this whole Christmas story like it's make-believe. Like the, the page on the calendar flips from December 24 to 25 to December 26th. House lights come on and it's back to reality. Christmas asks us to believe that this is not, dis, this, this is not imaginary. This is reality. And so when the, the calendar flips to December 26th, Jesus is still seated on his throne. And he is still observing everything going on. He's still in control. He's still dispatching angels to, to come and accomplish his purposes. Here on earth, nations conspire. People plot. The Herods of the world take their stand. But the psalmist in Psalm chapter 2, you know what he says? The Lord laughs. The Lord laughs. God is seated on his throne and nothing is going to unseat him. God is with us. This is the Christmas promise. Join me as we pray. Uh, Father God, uh, in the, the magic of the moment when we're all here with our candles lit, uh, Lord, we can be so spellbound by it all. 
And then the, the house lights come on and we go back to our, our homes and it seems like these worlds are so separate. Lord, would you do a work in us that we might, um, that we might believe or that you are seated on your thr- throne, that you are reigning. You are the God of heaven and you are the God of earth. You're the, the Lord over our lives. Lord, help us believe and help us trust. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Two, uh, two quick notes. Um, one, um, so the, the story of Herod giving that order to kill all of the, the Jews on the day of his death, uh, that was new uh, to me. The people didn't carry through on that order. Uh, his henchmen, when he died, said, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, they did follow through on the order to kill the, the children two years old and younger. And I, I was reading how many children that was. The estimates are that it was around 15 to 20 children. So Bethlehem was a, a small town. So it wasn't as many children as I thought it was, um, but still awful. Next Sunday, uh, we're going to continue with this exact same story, but we're going to be reading about it from Revelation chapter 12. So the same story is told, but now it's told from behind curtain number two. Uh, So I invite you back next Sunday.